Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. And now the bell is ringing, so that officially means that the fight has begun, I guess. And uh, we are in, uh, in the later rounds as we get to this fight, that, that we've been going through the ultimate fighter, and just so we're clear as we get started, the ultimate fighter is Jesus, and the ultimate fight that he fought was the, the, the battle on the cross, the fight on the cross to, to pay for our sins, the fight against sin and, and death and Satan. And the, the victory that he has won for us, that ultimate victory that, that we have eternal life through him. And so we, we are so thankful and we take time to celebrate that, especially this time of year. Now the ultimate fighter, as we look at the, the series, is the last week of Jesus' life. And the, the, the first day we looked, looked at was Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is one week before Easter. And, and what we are looking at is that last week of Jesus' life. We've already looked at Palm Sunday. Uh, we've gone then to Thursday where Jesus had his last supper and, and gave holy communion to us. Then he went to a, a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane, which was close to Jerusalem, and there he prayed. Uh, and, and now tonight, or today what we're going to be looking at, later that night, is when Judas, one of his 12 disciples, would betray him and, and turn him over to his enemies. But as we look at this message, uh, it's going to be cover actually a, a period of time longer than that, because even though there's a moment when, when Judas betrayed Jesus, it really goes back earlier to earlier in the week when, when Judas made the arrangements to betray him. It goes to the Last Supper when Jesus warned about this betrayal and, and led all his disciples that he knew about it, and, and then ultimately to when this betrayal took place. So that, that will be the, the, what we will be uh, discussing today. Now, as we, we get going, on the notes it says, the ultimate fighter, the fighter's betrayal. And I, I thought to myself, as I was looking at this betrayal and as I was looking at the message, I just, I don't think I have a lot of betrayal in my life. I, I, don't, I don't know if I used the word betray or if I've used it lately. And, and so it was hard for me as I was getting my arms around this message uh, to make it apply to my life and, and to yours as well. And so what I'm going to do to help you and something that helped me uh, to do that is where it says the fighter's betrayal, if you could get your pen and put a dash next to that, next to the word betrayal, put a dash and, and write this, throw under the bus. That if you want to think about betrayal, I was thinking about betrayal and I'm thinking that's not part of my life. But if you want to talk about throwing people under the bus or being thrown under the bus, now that happens to me on a regular basis. And, and, and I'm not proud to say occasionally I do it on a regular basis. And one of the things that I notice are two people that I care about very much in my life, I tend to throw under the bus more than anyone else. And these are not in order of how I care about them, but the first one is Pastor Jeff. 
And, and you have heard me from the stage kind of joking around. Maybe sometimes you didn't even know that I, I was joking. But uh, love and care about Jeff very much. He and I have a very close relationship. But there are times when, when I can throw him under the bus. And an example of this would be, as you know, uh, Saturday evening services, or maybe you don't know, but I'll tell you now, Saturday evening services, we've been having them for a year to see how they uh, would go, and we are not going to continue to have the Saturday evening services for a number of reasons. And, uh, and the last one is going to be the Saturday before Easter, and then going forward from that point, no more Saturday evening services. And there were some, some people who, who talked to me and they were disappointed, you know. We're a little let down and, and sad we're not having uh, the services. To which I said, yeah, Pastor Jeff, uh, he's the, the senior pastor here. And then the board, I threw them under that. Pastor Jeff and the board talked about this and they decided, you know, I, I'm with you. You know, I understand how important these services are, but they decided that, they're not going to continue for a number of reasons. Now, I leave out that I was at that meeting and I was in full agreement with them and, and, and understand this is the way we should go, but it's a lot easier to say that was Pastor Jeff and uh, throw him under the bus. Now, the other person that I've done this to it is someone uh, closest to me in this, in this life and that is my wife. And there have been a couple times I've thrown her under the bus from the stage and there are other times where I've thrown her under the bus. This time of year especially, when I have a large family, there's eight kids in the family that I grew up in, and they, they email or Facebook or call or whatever it is and say, yeah, we'd love to come down for spring break and, and we'd love to stay with you the whole time we're down there. And so I tell them, well, you know, Tanya doesn't like it when people stay at her house for more than three or four days, when in reality, she and I have talked about it and said, you know, my office is in the house and it's hard for me to get work done when there are people down here. So I throw her under the bus and, and say, oh yeah, that was, that was Tanya's decision, or, or if it's our kids, that was what your mom says, and, and kind of throw her under the bus. Now... When we do that, I think maybe even part of this we, we laugh about because I might throw them under the bus, but it's not a very big bus. And, and so it's really not that big a deal. But the reality of it is, is that when you think about it in terms of betrayal, it is a big deal and becomes even more of a big deal depending on the size of the bus. And, and so when you think about betrayal, I start thinking about people in our society, maybe someone like a Bernie Madoff. When you think of, remember he was the one who had this Ponzi scheme going with people's investments. And, and as you, you look at the case, it's interesting because the, the amount of money that he lost, the, the estimates go anywhere from $18 billion to $64 billion of exaggerated earnings. But the, the, the truth of the matter is that he betrayed the people who invested with him. And now as a result of that betrayal, that they have some serious issues. Some of them put all of their retirement money there. 
And, and so as they look at how they're going to live in their retirement and, and how they're going to go forward, that these people have nothing because he threw them under the bus. And, and, it's, and it's very difficult and, and hard for them. When we were thinking about betrayal, I also went back to another person in United States history, Benedict Arnold, whose name is synonymous with betrayal. And the interesting part of that is he was a, a, a general for the Continental Army, and he was in charge of defending uh, West Point, the place where the West Point Academy right now is. And, and he's known for betraying uh, his position, I guess, to the British government and was going to surrender that position without a fight. But what's interesting about that is, and something you might not know, is Benedict Arnold fought with valor for the Continental Army, especially against the, the, the French in that battle uh, for Fort Ticonderoga. If you go and look at how he fought, he was wounded in battle. Uh, he, it took him years to, to recover from his wounds as he fought uh, for the colonies at that time. And, and then later as he went on and became a general, uh, it's just interesting to see though where he felt something was owed to him and he, and he then wasn't behind the cause and, and that betrayal took place. And, and so he, he ended up going over to the, the British and became a general for them as well. It's it, very interesting. But I can't even imagine what it was like for the individuals who served with him and then served under him. As you think about that, that betrayal and throwing all of them under the bus and, and was willing to say, you know what, for, these, uh, for my own purposes, I am willing to abandon these people who trust me. Well, today, as we look at this message, the fighter's betrayal, perhaps a, a better title would have been the fighter's faithfulness. And the reason why is because Jesus is the ultimate fighter and he was the one who was betrayed but even while Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus remained faithful to him and definitely remains faithful to us. And as you hear this message, this is a message about Jesus and his faithfulness. But I know what's going to happen in this message as we get deeper. There are people in this building right now who are at a number of different places. Some of you have betrayed people that are close to you. Some of you are victims of betrayal, where, where you have had people that have done things to you that have been so harmful, that have betrayed your trust, that have hurt you deeply. And then there's probably a third group of people who right now are in the middle of a betrayal that is still secret and nobody knows about, and, and that it, you're in the middle of it, but it might not be too late to turn from it. And so as we look at the, this, what, what's important and what's going to help us as we go forward is not just looking at Judas' betrayal of Jesus, but to look at Jesus' faithfulness. And that is the thing, Christ's faithfulness and, and his love for us, which will change our hearts and our actions and the directions of our lives. So we begin, and, and we go to Matthew 26, uh, beginning with the 21st verse, and where we are starting is at the Last Supper, uh, when Jesus is eating the Passover meal with his disciples, and he drops this bombshell on them. 
he says, and while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and they began to say to him, one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. So Jesus tells them, and that each, each of them, they become very sad. And, and as they are in this room, what I find very interesting is they didn't necessarily say, is it him or is it, is it him or her? No, it was, is surely not I. And, and I found it interesting that they began to question, first of all, not others at the table, but themselves. Now, what was going to happen is Jesus would tell them, I'm going to identify the person who is going to betray me, and he knew it was going to be Judas. And he said, the one who puts his hand in in the cup with mine, he will betray me. And we don't know exactly how this worked out, the dynamics of this, of how much the other disciples heard and and how much they didn't. But but as Jesus and and Judas were there, that, that Judas said, surely not I, Lord. And Jesus said, yes, it is you. And then what happened is, is Judas ended up leaving that meal. We're, we're told that Satan filled his heart and he left. But what's so interesting about this is so all of this takes place and as the reader is reading and as John, the apostle John writes about this, in hindsight he's like, oh yeah, Judas was going out right then to get ready to do this betrayal. But that's not what the disciples thought was going on at the moment. We're told in, in John 13 verse 29 Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling them to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. So even then, even even towards the end, that that they when Judas left, they thought he was just doing some business that Jesus asked them to do, some private stuff that they didn't even need to know about. So in the blank, you can write: Jesus knew that someone, and specifically Judas, was going to betray him. Jesus knew someone was going to betray him and Judas was the last person anyone expected. He's the last person anyone expected. Now, I don't know about you, but but this is the way usually churches work and uh, and other ones where you have charities and things like that, that uh, there's money involved in it, Right? And so when you, you get together and you have to run an organization like a church or like a charity, there are individuals who need to handle the money. And what happens is, is you find people to do that that you trust the most. I, you find a person who, who's running the financial part of it, and I will tell you that is a person who is trusted and respected by the rest of the group. And maybe even head and shoulders above the other. And that's why you do that. And, and so what's interesting about that is that's who Judas was. Judas was the one who, who kept the money uh, for Jesus and the disciples. So, so he had the money bag. He was the one who took care of all these things. And I, I guarantee you, when, when he said, one of you is going to betray me, they didn't all say, Judas, oh man, it's gotta be Judas. Every 11 guys didn't point right at him and say, we don't trust you any farther than we can throw you. They would have said just the opposite. That if you would have picked the very last person that they would have expected, it would have been Judas. Even to the end, even, a, even after Christ had identified him, they just, they couldn't or, or wouldn't believe it. 
This is what you need to understand, is that people who betray us are the people we trust the most. They are such good people. They are, because if they weren't, you wouldn't trust them and you wouldn't let them betray you. You, you wouldn't trust them at all and, and you wouldn't set yourself up for being hurt by them. And whether it be someone that you trust with your finances or, or in the military, those you trust with your life, that you would say, I, I trust these people with everything. That's who Judas was and that's where the betrayal came from. And why we need to understand this is because in this room, all of us today are good people, right? Good people, trustworthy people. But we have to be on guard, and this is why. Let's look at Matthew 26, 14 to 16. This is a couple days before, a couple days before the Last Supper, and it says, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. For one reason or another, we don't know what it was, but Judas finally said, you know what, this is, this is over. This is going far enough. And, and from my relationship with Jesus and all these things going on, um, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. And was able to negotiate a deal with the leaders of the people. In the blank, you can write, Judas is one more proof that every person has his price. Every person has his price. And I'm going to share with you something. This is a little off color, and I apologize for that as as we begin, but it's a little story, and, and the story dates back to sometime around 1930, and, and later the concept of it was made into a movie called Indecent Proposal. And, and the story goes, goes something like this, of uh, a, a very rich man uh, approaches a, a beautiful woman and, and says to her, or asks her, if I give you one million dollars will you sleep with me? And the woman says, yes, yes, I will. And then he responds by saying, if I give you $100, will you sleep with me? And she says, what do you think I am? She gets very upset with him. And he said, I already know what you are. I'm just negotiating now. And the, the point of that as you can see, is that when she says she has a price, he knows what she is. She, she is willing someone who, who for that price is going to, to put aside all her morals, all her ethics, anything like that, to get what she wants, which is the million dollars. And then once you've established that, it, it's simply a matter of, if I keep going lower, how much will you do it for? The reason why this is so important is because I know what you are and I know what I am. On the one hand, it's correct that, that Jeff and I talk about our identity in Christ. I'm a child of God bought with the, the blood of Jesus Christ and, and that's who I am and that's my identity. 
But there's another part to Dan Salofer and there's another part to you as well and, and you need to understand this. And that is your sinful nature. That, that's the part of you that, that hates God and always will. And your sinful nature will be a part of who you are until the day that you die. And your sinful nature always has a price. And, and what's sad is in our lives, you, you wonder why the devil doesn't give you a million dollars to sin? Because you do it for so much less. That, that you betray the truth and, and you go away from God for so much less. I, I was thinking about, the, as I was thinking about this, I thought back to something that happened this past week and was at a softball game. And uh, a girl was up to bat. I helped with Arizona Lutheran softball team. A girl was up to bat who happens to have the last name as me, so I'm very emotionally involved anyways. And, and she, she bunts, and, and she had a, a ball that bunted out in, in front of home plate. She was running to first, and as the catcher went out to field the ball, it had backspin on it, and it rolled right between the catcher's legs and into foul territory. And if, if no one touches it, it's a foul ball. But if the catcher touches it in fair territory, then it's, then it's a fair ball. So I'm yelling from the, the dugout, of course, it touched her, it touched her, as the umpire calls it a foul ball. And I knew it didn't touch her. I knew it didn't. I, I saw it roll right between her legs. It looked like it could have, and it's hard to see how it could have missed. But right there is where I set my price. I am willing to yell lies from the dugout of a Christian school in order that my daughter can get a bunt base hit? Are you kidding me? And, and, and you look at that and you, you kind of laugh about it, but it's, it's, it's actually sad. And, and it's sad that that is to get what I want. I'm willing to throw this poor catcher under the bus. I, I'm willing to, to do whatever in order to get what I want. And in that way, when you think about every sin you commit as, to one extent or another, a betrayal of God, a betrayal to get what you want, the amount of, of, of what we get is so sad and so pathetic, and what it really reveals is who we are and reveals the sinful nature that is a side of us that, that deserves nothing but condemnation and damnation from God. So we continue. Now we go back to, the, to the, the, the upper room, okay? So Jesus had just said, one of you is going to betray me. Then he says, uh, the son of man, this is Jesus speaking, talking about himself. The son of man, Jesus, will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Wow. Those are harsh words, especially when you look at all of the words that Jesus spoke. It would be better for you if you had not been born. And so on the one hand, as I look at these words, these words are a warning, first of all, to Judas, to the person who would betray him. 
But then I started thinking about that. Why would it be better for him if he had not been born? Is it because this sin, like the betrayal of Jesus, is like worse sin ever? And that every other sin, you know, that someone else does, then, then that it's not so bad in comparison? I don't think so. I think the reason why, another verse that'll help us understand what Jesus is saying is the next one from Matthew 11, verse 23. And you, Capernaum, Capernaum is a city where Jesus did most of his ministry. It was in the northern part of Israel, and Jesus really had his base of operations in Capernaum. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Now, as we look at this, Capernaum would have been a nice town for you to raise your family in. Nice, uh, not too small, not too big, northern part of Israel. It's kind of a nice town. Sodom, horrible. I mean, the, the sins of Sodom are, are recorded and, and how bad this place was that there, were, there was no one who believed in God and it was seen by the, the vile acts that they did. Now, when you look at that and you talk about the judgment, when God returns, why would it be more bearable for Sodom than for Capernaum? Because of what Capernaum had rejected, that Jesus was there, Jesus with his miracles, Jesus with his teachings, that it was right there in front of you, this opportunity to have this relationship with God, and it's one that he desired so much, and you just pushed it aside. And that's why with Judas as well, what makes this so bad, and why it's so tragic, is not just because of what he did, which was bad, but the fact that as he made this betrayal of Jesus, that he was giving up so much. In the blank, right, the tragedy of Judas' betrayal was his rejection of Jesus as his savior. That's why this is so tragic. He was rejecting Jesus as his savior. And these words, these warnings, it would be better for you if not, you had not been born, these words are a call to repentance. That as he says these words, one of you is going to betray me. It would be better for you if you had not been born. What Jesus is hoping for is that Judas will say, it's me. I admit it. I'm overcome with guilt. They're coming tonight. We we were set it up so we're going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they were going to give me 30 pieces of silver. And I can't do it because I just can't. I I had a weakness. And I ask you to forgive me, Jesus. And he would have. It was a call to repentance for Judas to see, Judas, you are giving up so much for so little. Open your eyes, Judas, to see what is going on. I told you that today that that there are really three groups of people, maybe those who have been victims of betrayal, those who have betrayed others, and then those right now who are in the midst of a betrayal. These words are for you, that third group. Open your eyes. That, that if you are going down a path right now where, where you are giving up so much, and, 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 and we see this, don't we? And this is the way that betrayals work, is, is people give up so much. They give up their reputations. They give up their marriages. They give up friendships. 
They give up trust. All of those different things, all of them are are in this betrayal basket that the second that you have that betrayal, all of these things are lost. Think of what Judas was giving up. All of those different things with the disciples, how much they respected him, how much they trusted him. And as if those aren't enough, he was giving up a relationship with Jesus and the promise of heaven that came with it for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver, I don't know. I've heard so many different numbers. I've heard up to work, worth up to $10,000. I've heard uh, it's just the price of what you would pay for a slave. I've heard a number of different things, but it doesn't make any difference. Let's say it's the highest. Let's say it is 10, 10 grand compared to, to what he gave up. It's nothing in comparison. And, and that's what I, I'm encouraging you right now to look at your lives. What are you giving up? when you're throwing someone else under the bus, when when you are betraying them, when you are betraying the trust that have been given you right now, what are you giving up? It's a call to repentance to turn from it. We continue uh, with with Judas. Judas went out and and he left and he got those individuals uh, and uh, Jesus with his disciples ended up going to the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed With them, Jesus prayed with Peter, James, and John. Once he was done with his prayer, he said, uh, arise, let's go, here come my betrayer. That that Jesus could see them as they came from Jerusalem up to the Mount of Olives, they would have had um, torches and, and you could have just seen them coming up that trail. And Jesus knew they were coming and about to be there. And, and so arise, here comes my betrayer. And as he's speaking, as he's still saying these words, Matthew 26, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived with him with a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. And kissed him. And in the blank you can write, Judas used his relationship with Jesus as a cover for sin. This close relationship sugarcoated it as as he was betraying him, calling him rabbi, teacher, the kiss, showing the close relationship they had. And Judas was throwing it away. What's interesting as we talk about this with betrayal, I think there's, there can be really two groups of people. There can be those who go through betrayal and those who think they're going through betrayal. And, and you better be careful that you understand the difference between those two because many people that I run into think they're, they're going through betrayal and use it as an excuse to do things in their life. And I think Judas would have been one of them. That, that if the disciples would have asked the question, this is the question of the pe- person who betrays you. How could you? I trusted you. I loved you. How could you do this? That if the disciples would have said that to Judas on this night, I think Judas would have said, how could I? I betrayed Jesus? Jesus betrayed me. And, and this is why. For three years I've followed him. Three years. And we have gone through every small town in northern Israel. We have gone through times where we almost drowned, times when we barely had enough to eat. 
And, and there was always the promise, the promise of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. He's the Christ, he's the promised one. And, and this week was the week it was going to happen on Sunday, on Palm Sunday, when everyone was there and it was our opportunity to finally reap the rewards of everything that we have suffered for for the last three years. And what does Jesus do? He goes to the temple and then leaves town. Are you kidding me? That was the day. That was the day it became clear to me that what Jesus promised us and what I wanted we were never going to get. And then this week when he's arguing with the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, it became obvious to me, this is a sinking ship. This is not gonna last. And in three years, I've never asked the question once, what's in it for me? I have never asked that once. But today you know what I'm asking? What's in it for me? And so as this is going, you know what I'm getting out of this? Out of three years, 30 pieces of silver? No, Jesus betrayed me. And now I'm going to make the best of this bad situation and get out of here while I can. So just get off your high horse and save your sermon for someone else. I know that speech. And I've, I've seen this so many different times. This one's like made for marriages. And it's made for someone who, who, who goes and has an affair and then comes back and says, you know what, you call that the last five years of our life a marriage? You call the, 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 the what's going on on a day-to-day basis? You say I'm cheating on you, you cheated on me, you've been doing that for years, you've been hurting me. And you know what, finally, I got out of it, okay? So, so man, be mad at me and I'm the bad guy, but you know what? No, I'm not. I've been working at this job for 20 years, getting paid half of what I deserve, and I saw an opportunity where there was some cash that I didn't think anyone would know about. And honestly, I believe that money to one extent or another is mine. So you know what I did? I took it. I'm the bad guy. But you know what? If I wasn't scraping along, breaking my back for you the entire time, this wouldn't have happened. So if you're looking for an apology, it is not coming. Wow. It's amazing how quickly we we can, once we think we've been betrayed or, or, or maybe even as we rationalize we're, why we're betraying because of the way that we've been treated, I'm telling you that, that gets muddy. Those waters get muddy very quickly. Very, very quickly. And that's why we need to understand relationships and, and need to understand our relationships first and foremost with Christ who is not a betrayer, who doesn't throw us under the bus. So, so, With other people, fine, we can have these arguments all day long. But there is one truth, and and the truth is that the ultimate fighter, Jesus Christ, our Savior, is faithful and remains faithful to every one of us. And, And all of us have been given so much through him. And that is what we do not want to throw away. And so we understand the next part. The next part has to do with how this plays out in our lives. And in Matthew 26, verse 50 This is right after Judas says these words of betrayal, kisses Jesus. Jesus replies, do what you came for, friend. Then the men step forward, seize Jesus, and arrested him. And the the, the part I want you to think about, there's two parts to this. One of them is when Jesus says, do what you came for. Judas is doing what he wants to do. No one's holding a gun to Judas's head. 
No one's making him do this. This is Judas's choice on where he wants to go with his life after he's been warned. The other part I want you to see is that even after it happens, Jesus calls him friend. I know what's going on, Jesus says. I, Jesus, I'm not stupid. I see this. And I want you to know, even after this, Judas, you, you're trying to make me your enemy. And I'm telling you, I'm still your friend. So Judas, Judas works his purposes. And then the second part, which is interesting, is when it says, Matthew 26, verse 54, the, these are, are the words of Jesus when he says, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? And so what I w- would like you to write in the blank is, Judas used this situation to work out his purpose and God used this situation to work out his purpose. And so you got these two things going on, right? Where Judas is doing, you know, doing exactly what he wants to do and at the same time, God is doing exactly what he wants to do. And, and I'm warning you because if you start to mix these together too much, all of a sudden you have Judas as a victim who's not able to make any other decision because God has decided he had to do it. And that's not accurate. These two things working together, and, and it's important for us to understand because this is happening in your life today. You, you are not a victim of, of some fate, of, of some pre predestined thing that's going to happen that you have no control over. That as you look at the choices you make in your life, you have choices that you make every one of us every day. And at the same time, God's will is worked through the preaching of his word and his work in this world. And in that way, it's almost, I guess you would call it like a dance on how God works in our lives. So as this is going on, the difference is Judas's purposes were for Judas. God's purposes are for us. We're for Judas as well, for all people, to save all people, to go to the cross, and nothing was going to keep Jesus from that. The final portion then from Matthew 26, after the disciples were going to try to fight to to keep Jesus from being arrested. Peter took out his sword, cut a a soldier's ear off. And Jesus says, put your sword back in its place. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? So as Peter does this, Jesus Jesus is telling him, there could be 12 legions of angels, okay? There's 6,000 soldiers in a legion. You know how many soldiers that is? 72,000. Just did that. Claire, you happy? Are you proud of me? I did that in my head. But here's the deal. Here's where it gets difficult. In 2 Kings, we're told that when the Assyrians came against the children of Israel, one angel killed 185,000 men fighting soldiers in one night. So now you've got to multiply 72,000 times 185,000, and that will give you the manpower that Jesus could have had there immediately. Not sure, but I think it's like 3.4 billion soldiers worth immediately. And Jesus' Jesus point, though, is clear. Peter, you're worried about me getting thrown under the bus? Peter, I'm driving the bus. I am in complete control of what's going on here. And even though the appearance might be that Judas is getting his way and they're getting what they want, I'm telling you the bus is headed in the right direction and I am in charge of it. And it's important for you to understand that in in Jesus' betrayal, 
because of the, the peace that it gave him even going through it. And you need to understand this in yours as well. As we look at this, this is the reality. Some of you feel like victims of betrayal. Some of you are, have, know that you've done things of betrayal. But the reality of it is, is all of us are both. All of us. That, that as we look at this, using maybe not betrayal, but throw under the bus, I have to imagine that every one of us can imagine a time we've been on both sides. Perhaps the buses have been bigger in different circumstances, but that's... It, it doesn't make any difference. These words are the words of a faithful God to his people that says, trust me in all these circumstances. And where that leaves us is the last verse from Philippians 1 verse 27. Whatever happens now in your life, whether you are being thrown under the bus, whether you threw someone else in, under the bus, stop right now. Whatever happens, conduct, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as, as one for the faith of the gospel. So whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In the blank you can write, even after the betrayal, Jesus was in a position of power. And we are to use his power, this power, to remain faithful to him. Jesus driving the bus, God working his purpose in our lives, each one of us acting, sometimes selfishly, sometimes uh, as God's children, working in love and care and concern, and God showing his love and purpose in all of them. Take time. Take time as you look at the, the, the ultimate fighter fighting betrayal and see how he wins that battle with faithfulness. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that uh, you have come into our lives and uh, you know and, and you see through us that, that even though we try to be good people and, and we try to do what is right, that, that underneath there, there, there is that that part of us, it's not who we are, we're, we're your children, but there's still this part of us, uh, the sinful nature inside of us that just has a constant battle against selfishness and sin, and uh, man, it's so hard to fight, Lord. But we know that's why Jesus came, as the ultimate fighter, and as he fought against this betrayal, he, he's fighting also against that sinful nature inside of me. And Lord, help us to see it's a knockout. Uh, that, he, that he took this sin, the, that sin of selfishness to the cross, and, and there he paid for it for me. Now, Lord, help us as we go forward, uh, no matter what happens in our lives, to, to focus on Christ and his faithfulness and to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As we go forward from here today and, and think of this, okay, I, I don't want to betray, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, and 
that mentality, it, it can become overwhelming. And, and that is why at, at a time like this and when we go through the Ultimate Fighter series is that the faithfulness we reflect on and, and focus on is not our faithfulness, but Christ's. And, and we look at him as the ultimate fighter who, who has fought this battle, who has won this battle for us, and who gives us the strength each day to fight it as well. And so go forward with that strength, uh, with the victory through Christ already won. And also go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.